Saving the world never goes out of style. We are the Spy-Fi Guys, and this is The Man from UNCLE. Welcome back to the Spy-Fi Guys, where we cover spy fact, spy fiction, and everything in between. I'm Zach. And I'm Christian. And welcome yet again to our Swingin' 60s Spy Summer. All this summer we have been and will continue to be breaking with our usual formula, covering exclusively fictional spy movies and TV shows that are made or set during the golden age of spy cinema, the 1960s. So grab your go-go boots and put on your ascot because it's time to get groovy. And welcome back to our guests from last week, Kelly and Carolyn. Hello. Good to be back. Zach, you're ruining, you know, the whole C or K sound in this. It's we got Christian, Carolyn, Kelly, and Zach. And me. I love being the exception. So today <laughs> we are back with the Man from Uncle movie from 2015, starring Henry Cavill, Army Hammer, and Alicia Vikander, aka the Tomb Raider. That's your go-to thing for what she's been. Uh, in. Yeah, that's the okay. level of cinema that I consume. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't she in the Swedish, the Danish girl? Isn't she the the Danish girl the guy, like from the title? No. No? That would be, what's his name? Eddie Redmayne. Eddie Redmayne. Oh, she's the girl in that? I think so. I watched that on a yeah. plane. But she's also in the last Jason Bourne movie, if I recall. But we're not talking about that movie today. We are talking about The Man from Uncle. Yes, we are. So we saw last week, you know, the show that this was based on, and we we're covering the movie. What did you guys, just overall... Actually, Kelly, since you are, are our expert, or at least more so than the rest of us, what do you think of the differences between the two? I think they took a kind of the base idea of the man from Uncle and tried to sort of spin it into like a more modern, kind of like more similar to like the modern James Bond movie style, which was interesting. And it sort of also gives like an origin story for them too, right? Because I don't think you get that in the show. Yeah, and a couple of parts of that are a little, like, I don't know. They don't really fit exactly with the TV show characters. And I was actually, I was reading that one of the one of the characters, oh gosh, one of the actors was saying, like, he didn't even really, like, read, like, look at the character from the TV show because he didn't want to, like, steal the acting. And I was like, huh. But I read something about that when I was just doing a little Googling that only the guy who played Ilya actually watched the TV show. Yeah, so... It's interesting. And it's also interesting because he his character is probably like the least similar <laughs> to his TV show character. So it's kind of funny that he's the one that actually watched it. Cause, that's so, true. Yeah. And I think that's interesting for me because I, I would have thought it was the other way around because it almost sounds like Henry Cavill is mo- like adopting the cadence of talk and the way of talking that Robert Vaughn had. That very particular way that he talks. Because like Napoleon Solo's character was more was developed by you know Ian Fleming and has a little bit more of that typical James Bond character element, so maybe you know like it's a little mm-hmm. easier to to play it that way and feel like modern audiences would like it. Whereas I think you know Illa, he's like very quiet and enigmatic in the in the TV show. You don't really know anything about his background. I mean, you know he's Russian, and there's there's jokes about him being Russian and. Um, you know, he'll make jokes about communism and stuff. But, like, you just don't really know what he does in his f- spare time. Whereas I think they they added a lot of, like, background elements to his character in the movie. 
Did he have a rage problem in the show? No, no, it's the exact opposite. He's very <laughs> quiet and very uh, calm. He's kind of like the place the that polar opposite kind of personality to Napoleon's more boisterous, uh, mm. exuberant mm-hmm. personality. Like Illa would never like be with a woman. Like he wouldn't need to. Like whereas you know Napoleon's always trying to like find some girl. Um, <laughs> you can just imagine that he would be fine going home, kicking back, reading his book, playing chess, playing He's chess. Like Spock. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We didn't talk about it last week at all. That, and I guess it's it's harder to tell in that episode because it's not really focused on Ilya. But mm-hmm. we didn't address that. Oh yeah, he's Russian, working for a seemingly Western intelligence organization during the height of the Cold War. Yeah, they don't really give you any background on that. I don't. I don't remember. No, oh, that is it's interesting. Just, there's more just like kind of references. Like like he's not. He's not like a. Gosh, I'm trying to think of the word. He's not an expatriate or defector. Yeah, he's not a defector. He's a Russian in good standing. Like, I think I remember there's an episode where he goes to Russia to, like, you know, help them out with something. And I think the movie does kind of a good job of giving a reason of why the two agencies might have gotten together. I like that aspect for sure, because the idea that there's an evil uh, or matter that's pressing that kind of overrides the the feelings between the two countries temporarily, Which is right? like a yeah. trope in a bunch of the James Bond movies too, where he'd work with like a Russian agent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a good point. And right. Independence Day. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think sure. that's what the big speech was about. Uh, sure. Anyways, I'm not talking about <laughs> Independence Day today. So let's. why don't we uh, just get right into the movie. Zach, do you have the synopsis from IMDb? I do. In the early 1960s, CIA agent Napoleon Solo and KGB operative Ilya Kriakin participate in a joint mission against a mysterious criminal organization, which is working to proliferate nuclear weapons. So I know that they never say it in the movie, but I I think uh, some of the writers have spoken that this also, not only was it supposed to be an origin for Uncle, but the bad guys were supposed to be Thrush. Huh. But they never said that. They never said it. And they would have gone more into it in a sequel, which sadly has never been produced. Yeah, it doesn't look like it probably will be. But I feel like it works just fine without them being thrust. It does, given that this was came out in 2015, which in my mind was like the year of the spy, because you had Rogue Nation coming out, you had Spectre coming out, you had Spy coming out. Maybe one of the Kingsman movies as well? I don't remember. Particularly with uh, Spectre and Rogue Nation, there were both other remakes or reboots of something in the 60s where they specifically brought back, for example, for Spectre, obviously they brought back Spectre, but for Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, they brought back the Syndicate, which was a, like the you know evil organization from the show. So the, maybe they thought, all right, if these are happening, maybe we shouldn't also have another one and add Thrush to it as well. I will say when I watched the TV show with you know my fiance last week, I, I can't remember if I mentioned this, but he was like very perturbed about thrush like like what why is this organization like what are they i was like trying to explain i guess they're like kind of like criminal like an international criminal syndicate but some ways in the show it's almost like they're like the kgb Mm. and the u.s is like the cia you know what i mean like it's Mm -hmm. like kind of uh it's like you want to have that that polar opposite organization right exactly but because you're bringing in multi like people like russians mm-hmm. and americans it can't be like a government agency so mm-hmm. i think it's a little tricky um yep yeah. and that's why like organizations like specter or 
the syndicate or uh, if what we get into it lit when we get into it in a future week uh, chaos from the from get smart these are all basically that same formula mm-hmm. and they've all got like acronym letters too we start off the movie with a very cool jazzy like musical opening which i was disappointed it wasn't the man from uncle theme it was just mm-hmm. some jazzy music and that get a title sequence with cold war history it like in like headlines, people trying to get across the wall, photos of JFK or uh, Winston Churchill, mm-hmm. and then we can finally get to uh, 1963 Checkpoint Charlie, Napoleon Solo played by Henry Cavill, in uh, basically an audition for James Bond, and we get a glimpse of this big Russian guy watching him, who we find out is Ilya Kuryakin, and he finally gets to this garage, this chop shop. And so he's talking to the, wh- the whoever's under the hood of the uh, of the car working on it in German, saying that he can get them over the wall. And we find out that it the mechanic is a girl whose name is Gabby Teller. And you know what this reminded me of, Christian? What? Night and day. Real? Oh, right, because she's a mechanic in that. That's right. I didn't even think about that. Mm-hmm. And she's tough, and she doesn't take any nonsense, except when she brings up nonsense with other people. <laughs> we'll get to that later. When you were the way you were describing, you know, Illa's character, that was the part that throws me off every time I see it. I'm like, wait, yeah. that's him? Because it, it just doesn't. That it just does, like he's so big, right, and muscular. Mm-hmm, right. You're like, wait, is this okay? You kind of get you get used to it as the story progresses, but uh, well, I mean, yeah, they're both like the huge. Time. Yeah, they are. They are. Ilya's okay. taller than him, taller than Solo, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Henry Cavill <laughs> is not a small guy. So the fact that Ilya towers over him is like, how big is he? Henry Cavill's 6'1". Oh, and how tall is, uh, what's his name? I always forget He's not playing name. in the NBA with that height, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> how tall mm-hmm. is, uh, wait, what's the other actor's name? I always, Army Hammer is 6'5". Jeez. There you go, then. Yeah, so we find out that Gabby's father it was basically Hitler's favorite rocket scientist. So apparently in this universe, he is bigger than Werner von Braun. Mm-hmm. And that uh, Dr. Teller came over to work for the Americans to work on their nuclear program, but disappeared two months ago. And until now, when he reappeared in Rome, Solo is trying to find you know where Dr. Teller is, thinks that Gabby is his best bet, and that... Well, she can get in contact with her uncle Rudy, who might know where Dr. Teller is. Do they explain more about the stakes? Is this where they explain that he's like some kind of nuclear guy too? Nah, uh, yes. later? it's a bit later, if I recall. Yeah. Okay. So they get into a car. She drives. He's lying down in the back seat. Ilya pulls up alongside them in this tiny car known as a Trabant. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you that. Are they both in Trabants or just him? No. The car that Gabby is driving is not Trabant. I did not look up what it was, but the Trabants have a clear, distinctive design, and, and we'll talk more about those later. Yeah, featured highly in the 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 the, the Checkpoint Charlie Museum in uh, at the point of uh, West and East Berlin. Oh, that's right. You've been Adam there. And oh, I, both yeah, of you guys have been there. Took Wait. some pictures in in one of the models. Uh, I think we said. Carolyn, yeah. Have you been to this? Well, I've been to Checkpoint Charlie, but I don't think okay. we actually went to the museum because I, I was with a group that we, okay. the tour guide was giving us our own kind of city. Exactly. So that's You've really been cool. as well, right? So I went to Checkpoint Charlie, but I didn't go to the museum there. Okay. While right. we're talking about visiting Berlin, I wanted to mention that I watched this movie with my sister, and she yeah. noticed on their map 
They're yeah. driving through an area called Prince Lauberg. Okay. Does this sound familiar? No. It's a detail. I guess you can go back and huh. look if you really want to. But huh. we went there to visit a board game store. While oh, we were in <laughs> okay, so that makes me the only member of this podcast uh, who hasn't been to Germany or and hasn't been to Checkpoint Charlie. And now, yeah. now I need to go. It should be well, hard. I want to go way. anyways, but and yeah. you should go to the spy museum when you're there. I we didn't. We didn't make it there. Want but. to do that? Also, so and I, I will talk a little bit more about this later. But there, the spy museum in DC has a lot about Trabants, and I've written one. Zach, have you written one? Oh sure, a bunch yeah. of times. Kelly, did you actually get to write one? Carolyn, you've written one though. No, I mm-hmm. haven't. Yeah. yeah, they're fun little cars, but yeah. So Ilya's driving up in a Trabant. And Napoleon Solo, yeah, he's lying down in the back seat and is trying to like shoot Ilya, but Ilya moves just as fast as he does, and so they start this car chase, which made me wonder how is the Trabant going that fast? These things are run on basically like little like lawnmower engines. There's no way to be able to go that fast. Oh, I have an answer for that because Alicia Vikander upgraded it because she's just that awesome at no, mechanics. No. no, no, that's fine for her car. Uh huh. For- Ilya's car. How is he moving that fast? Oh, well, he has a super sweet, souped-up spy car. I mean, come on. <laughs> souped-up Trabant. Yeah. <laughs> Spend all the money on the KGB can... agent, so maybe they, they want him to blend in, but really they uh, they use better parts. <laughs> That's fair. So, I'm yeah, sure they have this that. really cool car chase through East, uh-huh. East Berlin. And then while this is going on, we also get a little bit of a flashback to Ilya being briefed about Napoleon, so we get his oh, background. Yes. Mm-hmm. Is this all accurate to the show, Kelly? That he no. he doesn't actually want to be in the CIA, but they're kind of making him to avoid prison, kind of like the no. Vietnam War. No, but I felt I was like, wait, did they steal the plot of White Collar and kind of blend it in there? <laughs> Basically, <laughs> and I mean, it's funny because Matt Bomer from White Collar and Henry Cavill do have a certain resemblance. They do. Oh, yeah. I I kept thinking about White Collar throughout the throughout the show. Especially when we get in later, just like the break-in scene. Oh, yeah. that I didn't even think about that. But yes, I totally see that now. But anyway, so the short version of Pauline's background is, is he used to be a thief, like a master criminal, basically. And then he finally got caught. And now he works for the CIA to like earn time off his sentence. It's like... Like white collar. <laughs> it's like white collar combined with the Suicide Squad. Yeah. Uh, maybe so a little, bit of, little bit of, uh, what's it, Catch Me If You Can in there, too. Mm-hmm. Polian Solo shoot like shoots at the car that Ilya is driving in and takes out the car, and so they think that's the end of it. But of course, Ilya is like an indestructible, you know, Terminator. He's like the Bionic Man. This got me. I was like, because he starts running after the car, and I was like, how is he catching up with this car? But it made sense a little bit when I rewatched it because he shoots out the tire back tires of the car, mm-hmm. so it's not going as fast as it actually could. I thought he was the six million dollar man. Kelly, did you ever watch that? Uh yeah, it's been a long time, but yes. Okay. We can be- rebuild him faster, stronger. He also <laughs> grabs like a door and like throws it at their car. I know. So what he does is he's grab he grabs onto the trunk. He tries to oh, the, like yeah. stop the car and he's sliding along. And then he pulls off the trunk. I thought we weren't watching a superhero movie, but right. <laughs> at first you're like, maybe. Maybe. Is he the Russian Captain America? <laughs> I can see it. And then he like throws it or he throws yeah. it up in the air and it takes like a good like five seconds to come down. And lands like, right into the trunk. Of the... 
Also, I like the part here where he's like grabbing onto the car. Solo's like looking at him, just staring in amazement. And the guy's like, shoot him or something. And it's like, it just wouldn't seem, doesn't seem right somehow. Oh, I like that line a lot. Yes. Yeah. Staring in amazement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought he was going to say something like, it'll just bounce off if I do. <laughs> that would have been good too. But I, I just, I just like the tone of there's like amazement and curiosity and maybe a little bit mm-hmm. of horror in there. Yeah. Sure. Ilya is running, trying to catch up with him. He gets stopped by the Stasi. So he beats up the Stasi officers. Well, he doesn't just beat them up. His finger, like, twitches. And then he, like, goes into robo-mode or whatever. His uh, psychotic episode, basically. Mm -hmm. But he also says at this point, like, shoot Napoleon, but I want the girl alive. And uses the girl, which I've already Uh, complained about. I really like that. They escape to the roof, and there's a friend waiting on the other side with a grappling hook. In a car. <laughs> Napoleon and Gabby zip line across the Berlin Wall. Or across, not, not just across the Berlin over the Berlin Wall, across the Death Strip. It's not as preposterous as it seems. When I was at that really? museum at Checkpoint Charlie, all kinds of crazy stories, but one like family, like hot air ballooned over the, the wall. That so. is crazy. Yeah. Though it begs the question that if this grapple is so effective, why don't they just use it all the time? Well, there's usually a lot of people with machine guns that are standing right there. Yes. I'm, I'm surprised that Elia didn't get shot when he tried to follow them. It actually kind of explains. Good point, Carolyn. Because he was like, don't shoot because you'll hit the girl. Oh, that's true. Otherwise, they probably would have been gunned down like immediately. But somehow, I don't think Napoleon Solo like factored that in. Or maybe he did. Maybe he did. But so Ilya tries to go after them. They back up the car that it the uh, zip line is attached to. So he gets stuck on the other side of the wall, and they release uh, release the line. And so he just lands very nicely, like just like cat like landing. But doesn't get blown up by the mines, apparently. Apparently not. He landed perfectly, so he didn't let, get hit by a mine. It's very lucky on his part. Okay, so in the next part, we meet Jared Harris. As his American oh, handler. Oh, that's who that is. A.K.A. Professor Lanasov from Chernobyl. Oh, that's where you went with that. Oh, yeah. I, I was thinking, uh, he well, obviously he's the son of uh, Richard Harris, who was Dumbledore in the first few movies. And he's also Moriarty oh. in the uh, Sherlock Holmes, Robert Downey Jr. movies. Oh, I should watch that. Oh, you, yeah, you also yeah. know him from uh, Mad Men, oh. which... Is in the IMDb trivia because he was in this movie after being in Mad Men, so it's like he never left the 60s. <laughs> but yeah, so his boss tells him that this job isn't done. And the next morning, they are wa- he's walking in a park with his boss. They walk into this public restroom and, start, and um, yeah, I don't remember like the this. boss's name is, but the boss starts giving him you know details about what the next job is, and then Ilya is appears in the bathroom and they fight. Bathroom fight. Yeah, so this is Henry Cavill's second bathroom fight in a spy movie. Of course, the more famous one would be Mission Impossible Fallout. Maybe if you know Henry Cavill had reloaded his arms, he would have won this fight. And of his mustache of power. Yes. <laughs> but I do like the joke where they're fighting and Jared Harris like doesn't even react. <laughs> I didn't realize that Elia was Elia at the beginning. So the f- whole first fight or chase scene, I was like, all right. You know, Henry Cavill getting chased by a random villain guy. And then he comes up again. I was like, what? I guess he's going to be significant. Because I didn't realize, I didn't realize at all that th- this Ilya was the same person as Ilya in the show. Like Kelly was saying, they're like totally different. I'm like, okay, <laughs> random guy that I'm not going to care about. 
whatever tasting. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> well, I think the movie was intended uh, if you didn't have any familiarity with the show, right? Mm-hmm. You'd still get into it. So probably a lot of people got surprised there. Yeah. And I've seen this movie before, but it's been five years and I didn't remember basically anything about it. <laughs> I know. I saw it with you guys. Ilya's got Solo in a headlock and then Ilya's boss stops them, speaks some Russian. And Solo is like, what does that mean? And says, don't kill your p- partner on their first day. And says, I understood the Russian. What does that mean? We're partners? Yeah. That's so this is where we get a bit of a plot dump. The company that they're investigating, Vinciguerra Shipping, is a front for an organization with ties to former Nazis. And so Vinciguerra's son and his wife, son Alexander and wife Victoria, are the ones who run it. They potentially have uh, Dr. Teller. He is helping them improve nuclear devices, and basically, so they need to find him and find all the, his information, his notes, which are, it would all be on a computer disk, which was an interesting-looking computer disk. Well, it was the 1960s. They didn't even have floppy disks then. Yeah. And then I like the joke here that when the bosses get up to leave, like mm-hmm. 30 guys stand up at the same time. <laughs> Not just 30, everyone away. in the cafe that they're at. Yeah, and so this is where we get a little bit of backstory on Ilya. Apparently mm. after he ran into him, Solo did a little bit of homework on him, and so we find out that Ilya's dad was a pal of Stalin but got caught embezzling state funds and he was taken to the gulag when he was very when Ilya was very young and that's when he started having these psychotic episodes. And he starts also like calling Ilya's mother. So what do you guys think about this scene? I think it's really inappropriate that they put in the psychotic like that I don't understand why they decided that was important why couldn't they just have him be like a strong guy? i don't know i don't know that this added anything to it i can almost see like but it's not enough yeah. to make it a big thing and and basically like napoleon is being a jerk making fun of him being a jerk yeah yeah okay okay i want to weigh in Originally, I agreed with you guys completely. Yes, he's being a jerk. What a douche. But then I was like, wait a minute. I think this is how he like survives in this world of spies. So Ilya can like beat him up anytime Ilya feels like it, right? He doesn't have a chance in close combat. So the only way that Napoleon can like get one up on him is by like getting into his head with his like personality, charisma, that's how he is effective. I can see that, but you know I, mean? I also, this is also a guy played by Henry Cavill who is ridiculously strong, so. <laughs> well, we just saw him lose a fight. I know, oh, yeah. I know. Right? And just, I know that they're trying to sell that too, but also, I'm never going to believe that Henry you know, Cavill is going to really lose that spectacularly in a fight. He's Superman, he's the Witcher, come on. I, I did have that thought when he was saying all those mean things. I was like, Henry Cavill, you can't say something like that. <laughs> That's Superman. <laughs> Sell it well <laughs> enough because it's just not his uh, in his care, his personality that he takes yeah. place. <laughs> so next we go to a boutique store. Gabby's tr- getting some dresses and trying on clothes with with Solo, and Ilya comes in. Gabby's surprised because she didn't know that he'd be participating in this as well. And is even more mad when she finds out that Ilya has to, she has to act that like Ilya's her fiance. And the guy that basically tried to chase you and kill you. Well, no, he didn't want to kill her. She didn't know that. She didn't know that. This is yeah. true. This is true. <laughs> so there are a couple of things here. Is he's like okay. you, he's like Russian would not dress his woman that way. <laughs> yeah, 
I like that actually. That was pretty funny. I, I, I liked the like argument of over style about things, mm -hmm. mainly because, and I don't know if he listens to it, but one of our good friends, Cameron, and I have a similar sort of like friendly antagonistic relationship as Ilya and uh, Solo, and to arguing over style and things like that. So it just sort of amuses me. I read something that after the show, like there was like a reunion episode of Man of Uncle and Ilya like goes into high fashion or something like that. <laughs> so oh, some sort of mm. nod. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Something 1985 reunion. I mentioned it last week. That's the one where George Lazenby appears. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Yeah. Anyways, so they, yeah, they have an argument over style of whether things, you know, what things will match with what, which was amusing. And then we go to Rome, which is where Vinciguerra shipping is. So they're all checking into the same hotel, but we also overhear someone named Waverly is checking in. And if we hadn't watched that episode, I would have had no idea what that meant. <laughs> and if there weren't like Waverly rings all over and over and over again, I wouldn't have gotten it either. Waverly, Waverly. Yeah, where are the rings here? <laughs> <laughs> Gabby and Ilya, seeing the sights, they go to the Spanish Steps, which we've been... How many years ago was that, Carolyn? That was like three years, maybe? Three, yeah. We've been to, to Rome and to the Spanish Steps. There are not that many. Well, first of all, there are a ton of people there usually. And there's not that many. There's no flower shops. Well, hmm. it could have just been when we went. We'll give him the benefit of the of that. I like the part here where he's like, he's built by Russian. <laughs> Not Spanish, <laughs> which I thought he was like joking. Yeah. Like it was like in Star Trek when Chekhov yeah. claims that Russians invented all this stuff. But then he just keeps going and going and going. So I guess yeah. he's just really smart and knows all this stuff. He's making up stuff. Yeah. Like that is more fitting in his character. Like he definitely knows more. Like I think not that he's smarter, but as far as like science and technology goes, he's definitely the more uh, expert or focused of the two. You said there were jokes about like him being Russian in the show. So did he like claim that things were like were actually invented by russians or is that more of like a Chekhov <laughs> joke in star trek yeah it's more i think in probably more of that reference because uh it's just like you know his uh communist uh ideologies will sometimes come out actually mm, okay. until here this is a, I, I was trying to find a time when it would be appropriate to add this in but that was one thing in the movie that i felt like it was missing was you know, there's a little bit here early on where they're kind of talking about the differences between the two, but then it's like they're just like, you know, co-workers working together. There's never any real references to his uh, political beliefs being like polar opposite of Napoleon's, right? Mm -hmm. But in the show, here's a funny quote. One time Napoleon summons him on the intercom and says, we're in need of your talents. Are you free? And he replies, no man is free who has to work for a living. <laughs> but I am available. <laughs> uh, oh, that's really good. <laughs> I know. That is very good. Yeah. That's something that I want to talk about. I guess we'll talk about it now is the people that were saying that the draw of the show is the interplay between Napoleon and Ilya. And we didn't get that at all in the episode that we saw last week. Now, it's not anybody's fault because the, the episode was all about George and Carla. And there wasn't a lot of room for Ilya. But I would have liked to have seen that the way it was done in the classic series i think we should have gotten an episode like looking back now i forgot how much the movie was focused on Ilya. Ilya. so it would have been good to get an episode that was more centered on him just so mm -hmm. you could see the differences anyway well, we'll just have, we'll have to, to go back them. and watch more yeah we'll just have to watch more of the show yeah yeah so 
If I find uh, a good episode, Zach, if I watch them later, I'll let you know if there's a good one that I Yeah, like I, I would watch it. Okay. Napoleon Solo comes by <laughs> and he's like, some thugs are waiting for you around the corner, but you have to let them rob you. You have to let them mug you because otherwise your cover will be blown. Mm -hmm. And of course, this doesn't make Ilya happy at all. He's, mm -hmm. but he has to resist that. So they go right around the corner to the Coliseum, not actually right around the corner. <laughs> And the goons find them, they take his wallet, and then they take his father's watch. Which, hang on, the father's yeah. watch. It's such an important plot point, but I'm like, why would you take your father's watch on a dangerous mission? That's, he just wears a watch. Then he wears his father's watch. Hmm. Yeah. It doesn't have to be stolen. There's any number of things that could have happened to it. He could have lost it. It could have been damaged or destroyed or something. Watches back in the day were made much more sturdily and they would survive much more things. Not like, you know, our, I don't want to talk too much about this repair shop that we've been, show we've been watching, but that's what I've learned. Mm -hmm. um, things aren't made like yeah, they used yeah. to. Like, look yeah. at him. Like, he doesn't typically need to be worrying about anyone attacking him. That's which true, is why, too. Yeah. Which is why it's such a difficult scene for him, right? True. Um, and that's the life he lives and he wants to wear his father's watch, so. It's a good scene, though. Wait, what's Alicia Vikander's character name? Gladys Gabby. or something? Gabby. Yeah, Gabby. Gabby. Okay. She's like, he's never even been in a fight. <laughs> they take yeah, all the things and the engagement ring. And then as the, like they're walking away, he punches one of them. That was great. The no-look throat punch. I was just like, yeah. pow. And he's like, Russian architect would fight, but Russian agent would kill them. So my cover <laughs> isn't really blown when you think yeah. about it. Yeah. It's a good point. So yeah, they go back to the hotel. Solo's in his room. And the one of the hotel receptionists brings a bottle of champagne up. He invites her to join him. And as this is going on, Gabby's calling Uncle Rudy. Apparently there's a party tomorrow. And then Gabby starts drinking a lot of vodka. I, I, at least I assume it was vodka. While Ilya and, uh, is... Sad about his watch and moping around the hotel room. So this scene is so strange. Can we talk about this? I don't understand yeah. this at all. So okay. Gabby is like, through 90% of the movie, she's like super serious and like very focused and she's like i hate this whole situation i just want to go back to my mechanic store i don't want to deal with any of this i don't like any of you i don't like okay i made my point but then in this scene she's like let's dance and have fun and like have a good time but she also is still serious about the dancing at the same time so it's very strange i mean we learn later that she's playing them the whole time but like what did you guys think during this part wasn't sure <laughs> I felt like it was, you know, the stress of it all was giving to her. They just got mugged and she had to play a part and there's all this stuff going on. So she just wanted to get drunk and by getting drunk, just forget about everything and kind of cut loose and, and dance. So what else are you going to do in a hotel room after you've had a stressful experience? <laughs> and wrestle. Wrestle. Oh, yeah, that's right. Get some aggression and out. For, I think first she slaps him and then he makes him slap her. He ma she makes her <laughs> pronouns are hard. <laughs> I think she just slaps him a bunch of times. No, he one of the times she uses his hand to make him slap himself. Oh. <laughs> yeah, he's not very happy about that. No. He says that's not what a Russian wife would or fiance yeah, would do, right? Yeah. 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 Funny. yeah, so then they, they wrestle. And that's not a euphemism. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I uh, thought it was, and then you see them like actually wrestling yeah, on the floor. Right? You're like, okay. There's even a shot of like someone going past their room and hearing like things being broken and mm -hmm. they don't question it they just keep walking after a while yeah. i guess they almost kiss like she's basically pinned him down 
and you know their mouth, her mouth gets closer and closer and then she just passes out on her shoulder <laughs> because she's that drunk apparently she's pretty she didn't drunk. Seem drunk that's what i was getting at she wasn't like come to ask with me yeah okay not everyone gets drunk like you zach hey <laughs> nice. i'm just kidding but i don't think i've actually ever seen you tr- i know i take that back haha you're just so- quiet <laughs> Exactly. Okay, so <laughs> at this point, my sister was like, I want them to get together. They're cute together. And I said, do you think this could be a love triangle with Henry Cavill? She says, nah. I hope not. He's a tool. Aww. Referring well, to Napoleon. I mean, his character is. I mean, Napoleon is kind of a tool, but yes. <laughs> Seen at all like a reference to Goldfinger, except the opposite? Or is that just me re- trying to read huh. into it? You know how they wrestle in that, and then he ends Maybe. up on top of her? But in this one, she's on top of him. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, we, maybe it was in your mind because we were talking about that last week, too. Oh, yeah, we did that's bring true. It up. Yeah, but mm-hmm. that's an interesting take on that. Yeah, We go back up to Napoleon's room where the receptionist is leaving. He's reaching for the phone and then finds a bug in the phone. Mm-hmm. He's going through all things. There's bugs everywhere, including in his suit. For like 20 bugs. <laughs> yeah. Grabs all the bugs, brings them up or down to Ilya's room, like knocks on the door. And like throws all these, you know, Russian-made bugs at him. And of course, in exchange, Ilya, like, gives him this handful of, you know, American-made bugs, which apparently also very cheaply made. Yeah, they're lower tech. tech. Yeah. Yeah. Which is is funny. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, so they go off to the track. We see Solo there first, and he he does the classic, you know, bump into someone and use that as a distraction to grab something. Um, And so he steals an invitation from someone. I was like, wait, is that Hugh Grant? What? <laughs> What's he doing there? I didn't recognize that he was Hugh Grant, so nice job. <laughs> and as he's doing this, he sees Victoria. The actress is someone. I don't remember what her name is. Oh, it's like Elizabeth Debicki or something. That is correct. What else is she in? Well, she's, she's in... going to be Princess Diana in The Crown. Yes, in the fourth, fifth season yeah. of The oh, Crown. Oh, that's yeah. her. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh-huh. I think she'll be good. So yeah, She will be. Yeah, so Solo arrives, but his invitation isn't enough, so he has to, like, make a scene. No, it's not quite that. So basically, he needs to get Victoria's attention, so. Oh, so he makes a scene to take He makes a scene, and she gives her apologies. So meanwhile, they meet the uncle, who is immediately suspicious of Ilya, and apparently also racist. I don't remember exactly what he says, but it's something unkind. may not matter to, you know, you Russians, but a good good German will go, oh, no, you don't breed a something like a race a race oh, yeah, racing yeah, yeah. stock with like a workhorse or something like that right probably more classist oh right? not necessarily racist but class well, yeah. Germans despised each other when i this mean so there was to a certain degree some some racism in the way they treated each other particularly the people they captured so i don't mm-hmm. know if you call it racism or national nationalism what do you call no. it when you're racist against somebody for the country that they're from tribalism Tribal, yeah. Jing- jingoism, xenophobia. There's so many xenophobia, words. Xenophobia, yeah. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to bring this up now, which is okay. Ilya's posing as an architect. He's like, I am architect or something like that. And I was reading this an article that impression. was like, apparently every romantic comedy, at least one of the characters is an architect. <laughs> wow. Really? If you go and look, yes. It's very common. Oh, hold on. That's a lot of movies to, to fit that. Well, maybe not everyone, but a lot of them. And the most obvious one I can think of is Ted in How I Met Your Mother. Oh, uh, so, yeah, that's what I was thinking. You know, that's a first. show, not a movie. Mm-hmm. But there are others. And I guess the idea is that it's like, 
it's an office job, but it's also pretty prestigious and you can make enough money while not working 60 hours a week, like a banker or whatever. So mm -hmm. it's got like some creativity to it, right? You're drawing stuff kind of, so maybe yeah. it's a little bit sexier than like a accountant. <laughs> Moving on, we meet Hugh Grant, he's Waverly, and Ilya works out his aggression on some civilians. Not just civilians, very rude, like, Italian aristocrats. Okay, still. Let him use the sink. <laughs> Guys, come on, he's like <laughs> psycho. I don't care how rude they were to him. <laughs> you went in there looking for a fight. No, he Although went in there to use yeah, the sink. He has avoided, he has avoided fights like two or three times so far so i think this is just one fight that he couldn't avoid he could have mm. them all out of the bathroom right like he seemed like he could have easily overpowered them but i guess he went in a little bit of a rage so one of them in the hospital yeah yeah we don't yeah. even see what he did to them no yeah. we don't actually the one who he sends to the hospital is named count lippy which is actually also a character in thunderball there's a character named Count Lippy, so that caught oh, my attention. Yeah, probably was a reference. Mm -hmm. Oh, I yeah, also so, wanted to mention during oh. this part is we see more of Solo's like swift hands where he's constantly stealing stuff from other people. Mm -hmm. But the part where he does the um, the tablecloth trick where you pull the <laughs> tablecloth and nothing right. moves, apparently Henry Cavill really knew how to do that and they didn't oh, do any it. special effects. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's I also so like funny. the snobby comment about it. Oh, were you a waiter before? <laughs> Was yeah, she's Waverly? hard to impress. Was it Waverly that said that? Who said that? Mm, I think it was Waverly. It yeah. was either Waverly or Uncle Rudy. <laughs> Is that something they train waiters to do? I mean, as a former waiter, no. <laughs> I wish it would be cool, but no. <laughs> At this point, Alexander, uh, Victoria's husband, comes up in the race car, which is Playboy. Alexander's flirting with Gabby. Victoria's flirting with Solo. It's just the whole flirt fest. I did like when he's yelling at people at a time. He's like, hey, I'm ready for you, but that's you, Mr. Gano, but do be harder. I think those are Italian that, that was, that be, That's pretty politically incorrect. I don't know if I'm going to keep that in. I didn't realize that Alexander was married to Victoria at that point. And that makes that scene a little bit more weird because he was right. basically asking her out. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean like, like I said, they're like both flirting with other people right in front of each other. Yeah, they're bad yeah. guys. I guess they have that agreement. So whatever works for them. Ilya is upset that, you know, Alexander was flirting with, and we apparently Ilya has been in the bathroom for 30 minutes. Later, like when he comes out, we see a red light behind him. So, oh, he's developing photos. And the photos, he says, were developed in a specific way so that it can detect gamma radiation, which either means that they're making it a Hulk or they're successful in, uh, you know, making a nuclear bomb. Mm -hmm. I'm disappointed it didn't go the Hulk direction. <laughs> If you made Ilya a Hulk, how much bigger could he get? That's funny. <laughs> Solo's going to go into the uh, shipping company, break in to you know find out what they have. He's looking very stylish in you know a turtleneck and a jacket. It's tactile neck, right? Yes. Ilya is there too. And what movies have we seen where it's like that? Anything you can do, I can do better. Kind of dick measuring you know, contest you, between our actually, two male enough, heroes. Usually, when you have this sort of anything you can do, I can do better. It's between like a man and a woman. Okay, well, I know what happens. Like, can you get your gun? Exactly. Right. <laughs> I, I don't mean like literally the song. I just mean like the oh, I have this laser cutter. Oh, I have like a plasma laser cutter or whatever, whatever they <laughs> um, have. I, I, for some I, reason, the one that brings to mind 
is like Pirates of the Caribbean, where mm-hmm. it's Captain Barbosa and what you call and Jack Sparrow with their telescopes. Okay, yeah, that works. I mean, I'm yeah. sure it's in tons of movies, but yeah. I can't think of any right now. But yeah, well, I like this because because you know, yeah, they 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 reluctantly agree to to work together to do this. Alias or not, Napoleon Solo's got his pliers that have been like treated with a with a CO2 laser, and then of course. Ilya's just got the CO2 laser. And they're looking around for anything. They split up. They don't find anything until Ilya sees a guard with what looks like his father's watch. And he does this Russian trick, which makes him, like, knocks him out while he's standing up. Yeah, I thought this was going to come back later in the movie, but then it didn't. Served its purpose. Is it a real move? What was it called? No. It's (laughs) called the kiss. The kiss. Yeah. It fits your earlier Spock reference, though, Zach. It does, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Nice, with his, like, secret knockout move yeah. that only he yeah. knows. Yeah. So they go into the lab. They find the vault down there. Solo is breaking into it, doing this really fancy tricks, and opens the vault, but apparently didn't deactivate the alarm because he's like, oh, this version doesn't have, this one doesn't have an alarm. Except it does. And then that goes off. That was a good joke. Loving your work, cowboy. And they both, I like this bit, they both like jump out a window thinking that they're going to go right into the water and they land hard on the deck, on the dock. And then, I think one of my favorite scenes from this movie. Yeah, everybody likes this part. I don't really understand why. So they get on the boat, Ilya's driving, Napoleon falls out of the boat, swims back over to the dock, and gets into this truck. And then in the truck, and he looks over and there's a nice picnic basket. And like it made me hungry, even though I had just eaten when we watched this movie. I was like, "Oh, I want that sandwich." And he turned and, on the car and put on some nice, almost opera music. That's like Italian jazz. Yeah, that's and, it. But so as this is happening in the background, is explosions and stuff. There's more chase going on. Ilya's doing this whole whole show basically, and Napoleon's just casually having some wine and enjoying a sandwich. And the filmmaking of it is is just great. Like, you can yeah. just see the thing happening in the reflections and all that. This scene I like because it, it's more like the TV show. You yeah. Know? Like the idea of Napoleon kind of, they both do hard work, but the idea mm-hmm. that Napoleon's the one, like, hanging out with the girl and it was back there, <laughs> like, blowing up stuff and taking care of everything. I thought that was, that was a good <laughs> Right. A good I didn't see where they're going with this scene, and everyone seems to love it. I just thought it went on a little too long. It's like, uh, okay, yeah, we get the joke. Probably. It's, I think it's one of those things where it goes on long enough that it becomes funny again. All right. But we get a character moment because it looks like Gilly is going to die. And yeah. then Napoleon finally leaves his warm car and his sandwich and goes and saves him. Mm-hmm. He calmly puts down his sandwich and calmly goes and drives the truck into the water. And you're like, what is he doing? Like, yeah, like Gilly onto stuck. the enemy boat. It's like crunch. <laughs> so he's like... And the, I think the music is still playing and he's like slowly drifting down and there's Elliot and he calmly like winds down the window and then goes to save him. So it's just like the, the segue between the, the calm picnic to the calm saving of Elia. I thought it was a pretty good segue there too. This is like a survival thing I learned is that oh. if you're in a car and it's sinking into water, what I've been told, but I'm too scared to try it, obviously, yeah. well, is you want to wait until the water inside the car fills up before you try to open the door. Because then exactly. the, the pressure equalizes. Otherwise, you won't be able to get the door open. Mm-hmm. That's very so true. Yeah. If your Atmos system tries to kill you, that's how you beat <laughs> it. And I think that's what he did, too, because he, he wound down the window, let the water come in, and then mm. got out or something like that. 
-hmm. But I did notice that he didn't finish the sandwich, so R.I.P. picnic. Or that bottle of wine, too. Yeah. <laughs> Christian was uh, sad. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I, more for the sandwich than the wine, I think. That that, that was a really good-looking sandwich. That was, it's not like American bread. That was like some sort of baguette or something. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Toria calls Solo's room. And, of course, Solo is still, you know, back at the shipping company. So there's no answer. So she starts going and driving to the hotel. And Solo... Napoleon and Ilya are going back to the hotel on a Vespa scooter. Mm -hmm. As this is going on, Uncle Rudy is... So all the phone calls, basically. Uncle Rudy is calling Gabby and asks if Ilya's there. He says, and you know, Gabby says that she, Ilya's asleep. Asks her to go to lunch tomorrow. And then she said, yeah, okay. And then Gabby calls room 304. Who's in room 304? We don't know. But she says that the meeting is confirmed. So now there's some other party that's going in on everything, too. And you're like, oh no, is she a traitor? Solo and Ilya get back at the hotel at the same time as Victoria, and they have to like sneak around to get back. Victoria opens the door. She, Solo's there in a robe. We find out Ilya has another bug that he didn't find. Mm -hmm. Victoria's there. She sleeps with Solo. While you're there, might as well. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> The next day, Solo has a meeting with Victoria, and Gabby has her lunch with Uncle Rudy. As she goes to go for lunch, Ilya is following in his car, mm -hmm. and Alexander's at the lunch as well. Gabby says, I know that my father is there. She says something else, but the music gets really loud, so we can't hear what she's saying. Ilya's like, listening in on the conversation, and he like, panics, and we don't know what was said, but we just see his reaction. So this whole part yeah. is a little too clever. If you oh. ask me, I know Guy Ritchie loves to do it, uh -huh. but twice in this movie, he's like something dramatic happens. And you know what's going on. And then he explains what's happening like two minutes later. Mm. So I felt like it would have been more effective if she just did her big dramatic reveal right now, rather than trying to confuse us. No, because then you get the other reveal later. Okay. Because the way they do it, you're able to get both Ilio's reaction there. And then you get Solo's reaction, which we'll, we'll go, I'll get to right now. So Solo has his meeting with Victoria, and she says to, you know, help yourself to a drink. But of course, his drink is poisoned. They were all poisoned. I yes. spent 10 years building up an immunity to Iocane powder. <laughs> <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. And Victoria also knows, she calls him Mr. Solo and says that Gabby gave both of them up. So this is where we find out what was actually said. So I like Ilya's reaction at that moment, but you also get uh, Napoleon's reaction now. Mm -hmm. And I like how Napoleon, as he's being drugged and is about to pass out, he like puts himself on the couch, puts some pillows under his head, gets himself comfortable. <laughs> Doesn't want to hurt yourself. I've yeah. been here before. He's accepted yeah. it. He likes happen, party you know? drugs, I guess. <laughs> oh no. But yeah, as this is going on, Ilya is being chased by a bunch of dogs. He does a pretty he sweet jump over a fence to get away. Yeah. Yeah, I was impressed. He didn't even struggle. Mm -hmm. I thought he was going to have a little bit of a hard time. Well, it was all part of the do. plan. It was all part of the plan, as we learn later. So, Solo wakes up. He's, you know, tied to a chair. Victoria there. And she's telling this story, like, about these three different torturers who are all infamous. But apparently, they're all the same man. Uncle Rudy. Who cares? No. This whole part was so tedious. I don't care about <laughs> Uncle Rudy's backstory. Uncle He's not Rudy. even a bad guy. <laughs> One of the names that he had was the Butcher of Belson, which, of course, made me think of the Butcher of Blaviken because we're talking about Henry Cavill here. 
What's that? Wait, who is he? Not from The Witcher. It's from The Witcher. That's one of his uh, names. Well, it made me think of Bergen Belsen, like the concentration camp. Oh, which may is probably the actual reference that was. Mm. Mm. But yeah, so we're not going to go through the whole thing, but yeah, it goes on and on and on. By Uncle Rudy with electric shocks. He starts monologuing about his childhood, how he yeah, got yeah. good at torture, and he's showing like uh, Napoleon all these photos of all the different tortures he's done. Messed and he up. says that he'll get his own like page in this photo book, but not in black and white. This one's going to be in color. They could have cut this movie to an hour and a half if they just cut out a few minutes here. Okay, I, I agree with you that, that this is <laughs> showing him getting tortured through the shocks was effective, but I didn't need the monologue. Yeah. You got to get the bad guy the monologue, though. I guess. <laughs> well, it's, they gave the wrong bad guy the monologue, but more on that later. Again, okay. <laughs> more previews, yes. This is the first time we realized that Uncle Rudy is a bad guy. We thought he was just the innocent uncle before, didn't we? We thought he was just a racist. <laughs> yeah. From that talk, that makes me think of <laughs> eugenics. Eugenics, that's, what, that's what it is, really. Oh, uh, okay. And that makes you think of Nazis. Okay. So, so he wasn't the, perfect. I don't think you have too many movies now where you have a racist character who's still a good guy. Yeah, Carolyn, that was a little bit of an understatement. You were like, so he's not perfect, <laughs> just a little eugenics on the side. <laughs> I, I quickly transitioned. You did, you did. I, saw, I heard you try to recover. <laughs> so he's a pretty terrible guy. Yeah. And just because he's a, a terrible really guy doesn't make him the villain, of course. But now we know <laughs> he is. Yeah. Hi, SpyFi fans. We have a promotion for you. This is not an ad. No, it is not. We're offering you a chance to win a free Spy Fire Guys t-shirt if you live in the U.S. or Canada. All you have to do is leave a five-star review for this podcast on iTunes and use the code word SUMMER in the review. That's the code word SUMMER. You have until the end of the swinging 60s summer to the end of September 2021. We will select our winner at random from all the entries received. Again, that's a five-star written review with the code word SUMMER for your chance to win. Good luck, and thank you for listening. Ilya had another tracker on Napoleon. Intercut with that, we get Gabby being brought to her father. Ilya finds Solo. They put Uncle Rudy in the chair. And so that, like he says, you don't have to torture me. I'll tell you whatever you want to know. They have the bomb. It's at Vichicare Island. A bomb delivery happening at 8 p.m. And this is where the short in the wiring, which which we didn't really mention, but it, it was there before, it starts acting up again. And so Solo and Ilya go into another room to discuss, should they get rid of him or should they keep him alive or what are they going to do? But then the decision is made for them when the short acts up and kills Uncle Rudy. I did like this. Really? Yeah, it, it didn't go on too long. It was a good joke. It was very black humor, but... Uh, yeah. I felt the opposite of you, Zach, because I think because you didn't really appreciate the the calm truck with the fight scene in the background, and I thought that was pretty good. Okay. And inversely, they're like their faces. They can see that the fire coming from the chair is like reflected on their faces. It's, and like, it's not that they were. Yeah, they weren't even like turned away, not seeing it. It was like head, they were this. You know, yeah. Okay. <laughs> See that this guy is in flame. Maybe they don't care that much. Maybe. We know that they don't because (laughs) Solo's like, damn, my jacket was still in there. I fell for him there. He's like, that is a nice suit. I wouldn't want to have pants without the jacket. But also human being. (laughs) Yes, also that. 
Gabby get to Vinciguerra Island, and she finally gets to see her father. Apparently, he's been having regrets, and like she slaps him, but that's just a cover because obviously she doesn't want him to actually make a bomb. This reminded me of Jin Urso beating Gavin Urso in Rogue One. <laughs> Galen. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Huh. Wait, do we do we know at this point that she's what side she's no, on? No, not yet. The very next scene, we find out. Yes, when we meet Waverly and his yeah. army. Yeah, so Ilya and Napoleon are taking a chopper to Vinchcare Island. Waverly's there. And we find out he's British naval intelligence. And both Ilya and Napoleon separately get calls from their bosses saying that you reported him now. Well, what else both, do the bosses say? They're or- both ordered to stop the bomb and get the intelligence on the disc and kill the other one if necessary. Well, what did you guys think about that? It sounds accurate for the era. Yeah. You know? They need to get the information. And the Rota is like, you know, whoever has this information will basically win the Cold War. Yeah, I mean, realistic. Like, you you work together for as long as you need to, but you're mm-hmm. not friends. So yeah. as soon as you can, you uh, right. try to take oh. advantage of the other. I mean, it makes sense that their bosses would tell them that. I'm asking, does you feel like it works as, like, a narrative? Like, did you actually believe that one of them would kill the other one? No, because, like I said, I do think they didn't keep that up throughout the whole movie. Like, mm-hmm. the whole... Yeah, that's a good point, Zach. They did um, kind of just seem like they worked well together. They do work well together, so... They, yeah, so I, I didn't <laughs> necessarily buy... It wasn't, for me, the tension wasn't, will one actually kill the other? It's, how will they get out of killing each other? Okay, I can see that. Yeah. This is where we find out that Gabby has been working for Waverly this whole time. She's actually a triple agent, but for the UK. The UK is playing all sides, so they're <laughs> going to come out on top. Now that we know where Gabby's triple agents lie, we know that Gabby's faking this whole thing. She's been a good actress this whole time. Yeah. She tells Alexander and Victoria, who are there, that you know her father will continue to work on the bomb. He's had a ch- change of heart now. And that she will help him assemble everything. Did they say how Gabby got recruited while she was in Eastern Germany? Once uh, Dr. Teller disappeared, they knew that the way to get to him would be through Gabby. And so they recruited Gabby early on, like two years ago, I think, is what he says. They don't explain, like, how they got her on board, like, what incentives they offered her. Like, while she was working as a Probably getting, yeah. I mean, Germany or Berlin was known as like the city of spies during that time. So there's spies all over the place. As many of the movies that we've covered before have shown, there's spies all over Berlin. But yeah, so I like there's a line where like Waver's like, we spent two years of this and what we got was you two. Thanks for nearly ruining my operation. (laughs) Waverly is the person who told Gabby to give up the other two because, you know, Ilya's cover was about to be blown and thus, you know, and therefore so would Napoleon's. And the only way for her to stay in the game was to blow their covers, yeah. to stay in the game herself. It's the classic misdirect where you finger your ally to get suspicion taken off of you. I do it all the time while playing werewolf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll and keep that in mind next time we play with you. Yeah, right? <laughs> it's kind of a Waverly affair a little bit. At least you got to see. Oh, you that's know, true. He does come up with his own little schemes sometimes. So mm-hmm. huh. try to... You don't, they don't know for sure. What's but where on. are the rings? <laughs> oh, yes. Just the engagement ring, maybe. Uh, oh, that's I didn't think about one. that. Yeah, Napoleon I thought it was going to do something. Yeah, no. At least not that we see. Waverly needs Ilya and Napoleon's help to get Gabby and her father. And, of course, mm-hmm. the bomb. And the desk. And the desk, yeah. Well, so many I don't, he doesn't care so much about the disc, I think. <laughs> okay. 
Like it's never mentioned whether Waverly and British intelligence. Actually, he's not even British. He's British naval intelligence. Oh, fancy. So that's why he has access to you know the the naval commandos. Mm-hmm. Gabby is helping her father assemble the bomb. She causes a distraction while he switches out to one of the lenses, which would make it not work. But of course, Victoria catches on and puts him puts Gabby in a cell and says, "You have t- what twenty minutes to do to fix the, all the things you made." Yep. We find out they're going to storm the island that night. Dr. Teller fixes the bomb. Victoria takes the disc with all his research and then kills him. Dun, dun, dun. Shocking. You know, now that you mentioned the whole Rogue One aspect to that, I'm like, I can't unsee it. I'm not saying they ripped off this movie, but I'm not saying they didn't. (laughs) Well, it came out the same year. That also came out in 2015. Oh, it's like one of those parallel movies like Armageddon and Deep Impact. Or Mission Impossible Rogue Nation and Spectre, which are basically the same movie. <laughs> the British navies storm the beach, and Ilya and Solo are with them. There's a lot of nice split screening here. I love it. Yeah, I love commando attacks. Why wasn't this in the Red Sea Diving Resort? <laughs> <laughs> Ilya is using the uh, what's known as the Uncle Special, that gun I talked about briefly last week, mm-hmm. and I'll talk about a bit more later. I also um, noticed that, yes. Solo actually finds it a guard who has Ilya's watch. And he sees Gabby and the bomb being loaded onto a jeep. Right. And then we get this really cool chase sequence. So Ilya gets a motorcycle to chase after the jeep. And Solo takes a dune buggy. This chase scene is good, but it goes on way too long. Yeah, I know I, I that that's a lot. Fair. That's fair. I, I was actually about to say, like, this is when I start falling asleep in every <laughs> modern day spy movie because... Mm. Why does it always have to have an action chase scene? We don't need that in every movie. I support that. Christian doesn't. I, I, I mean, okay. I, Adam I, likes I, them too. I'll give you that this one, like, you, I'll give you this. There are good moments in this, but yeah, we could have cut it down a little bit. I mm-hmm. like there's a part where the Jeep is trying to you know, go across the water and, mm-hmm. and just goes very slowly. And of course, when Napoleon does it, he like backs up a little and like basically glides across the water. It's called a hydroplaning. We learned about yeah. it in Driver's Ed. <laughs> but my Which question was, yeah. here is how did Ilya get across the river oh he did, we do see it so he you actually do? like sees the river he finds a different spot and he jumps across on the motorcycle that's when the rest of us had sort of zoned out because yeah. I was zoning out big time <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's fair so they're all on the other side of the water and then Alexander in the jeep rams you know, the, the bike but then Napoleon in the dune buggy rams the jeep that they're in so they're all crashed, and then Alexander and Solo fight, but Ilya is still knocked out. But when he does wake up, he's angry, of course, brings over the frame of the motorcycle and throws it at Alexander. Okay, so that was good. Yeah. But is there anything else you want to say about the fight, or can I just say they kill him? Yeah, no, I was just saying, yeah, he gets stabbed by Solo, uh, not but, Solo, by Ilya. Okay, so it's this really dramatic moment, but yeah. I'm like, we barely even know this guy. And he's That's supposed true, to be we don't one know much about guys? Alexander, yeah. So he should have had that big monologue about his history, not Uncle Rudy. <laughs> I can okay, see it. Yeah. No, Uncle Rudy's like the the torturer. He's like Desaad. Alexander is like Darkseid. So he needs the big the big speech, the big monologue, rather than just being like a guy they fight and kill and nobody cares. We just know he's a flirt and he's married to Victoria, mm-hmm. right? What else do we know about him? When he dies, isn't like a slow motion or something really dramatic? I seem to remember that. It was like pulling a gun and Ilya stabs him before he can even make the shot. The only other important thing that happens in this scene is that Solo grabs the disc. 
Okay. Uh, but yeah, so the Brits all arrive and they analyze the bomb. Found out, yes, it is a bomb, but it is not the nuclear bomb. Apparently there was another bomb. Which okay, was ruse. This makes no sense to me. Maybe you guys oh. can make... Okay, so we have two bombs. One bomb is your traditional atomic bomb. The other yeah. bomb is designed to go where the atomic bomb goes. So, like, in case the atomic <laughs> bomb didn't destroy the target, you have this extra bomb just mm-hmm. in case. Yeah, it's called coupling. That's absurd. What's that? Is it not absurd? Why would you have a bomb that tracks to where an atomic bomb lands? Except for if you need the plot to do exactly what they do later. That... I mean, I know this part goes kind of fast. Like, there's a lot yeah. of fast talking. And at this point, you're like, please let the movie end. But I still wanted to talk about it. <laughs> That's a fair question. Cause yeah, I didn't really think about it. Going to destroy everything. Maybe in case it doesn't work. I don't even know. Yeah. It's another example of the movie trying to be a little too clever. Like, when <laughs> they blow up Victoria yeah. later, they should have been like, we're super secret spies. We have a tracker on you. And here's a missile up your butt. That would have worked. Again, I didn't really think about it too much. So I think it's supposed to be something where you just sort of like you think about it. You have it in the back of your mind and then it come back later. The whole thing about there being a second bomb was fine because they're smart. They're international criminal organization. So they, of course, they're going to have a, a fake bomb. Yeah. That's not even a fake bomb. I was thinking it more like, well, oh, well. A duplicate, an extra decoy. bomb. Yeah, a decoy bomb, not a, a fake bomb. bomb. You're right. It's not the nuclear weapon, so let's let's use this as a decoy because it's less important. Right. So they're trying to figure out how they got the bomb off the island if it wasn't on the jeep. Apparently, there are fishing boats that leave the island every morning. Solo remembers the name of the uh, Vinci Guerra's old fishing boat, which is Diadema. Gabby has an idea. Apparently, the idea involves the captain of the na- British naval ve- uh, aircraft carrier calling the fishing boat says he has a message for Victoria. Mm-hmm. And of course, the captain's like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. But then Soli gets on the line and it starts insulting her husband, saying that he killed her husband and that he did not have a, was it, had a very shameful death. And, you know, he pleaded and begged and all that sort of stuff. Of oh course, this gets her ire. It was As it so would. scary. Kind of mean. And so she gets on the line and she like starts to threaten his whole family. Mm-hmm. And of course, Hola reveals that they've been locking it onto her radio signal, which she said, okay, fine, but it's not going to give you a precise match. Of course, yeah, this is where the coupling device comes into it. So they use the warhead that they had left behind, and they blow Victoria up. But wasn't the nuke on a dinghy the last time we saw it? I guess it was was on the boat. But I think we saw them loading it onto a dinghy that was next to the boat. Yeah. In fairness. So I guess guess that counts. And everything blows up, and that's all solved. Except for the deal with the U-boat. What's the deal with the U-boat? Who was I in it? I wasn't sure. They said former Nazis. So apparently there's former Nazis had control of a U-boat. Okay, sure. <laughs> hey, I mean, it's like in the em- fall of the Empire. You have all these different remnants, still have all this tech. I mean, so. it, it works in a spy movie. Yeah, it works it works in the spy real movie. life, not so much. That we know. the whole U-boat thing. That's who they were delivering the oh, bomb right. to. And then Ilya gets a call from his boss. Ilya doesn't know that Solo has the disc, but somehow the boss knows mm-hmm. and says, all right, kill him and get the disc. Meanwhile, Solo is packing up his own room. Ilya sees the disc that's like under one of uh, Solo's vests, and they both like have their guns ready. And right as we think fighting's about to start, Solo grabs something else, and it's Ilya's father's watch and hands it back to him. Oh, which is a nice, nice thought. Guy. Yeah, <laughs> and you can see like the 
like beforehand when you thought the fight was about to start you saw like Ilya's hand like start to twitch as if they were about to go for it and then twitching stops and they reveal to each other that they both know each other's missions and say all right well what are we going to do about it and they're both out on the balcony having a drink and you can just see there's something smoking in an ashtray Mm -hmm. and we find out that that's the disc so they burnt it up Waverly and Gabby come up. Waverly is recruiting them for another mission in Istanbul. He says, we have a new codename for our operation. Uncle. Oh, and, uh, the start of a franchise that never yes. happened. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing I noticed, because I continued watching uh, the credits after I usually uh, turn this off, they actually have photos of them in Istanbul of their mission. We don't find out what the mission was, but we just see them in like Istanbul and all sorts of stuff. Nice. Oh, I don't think I noticed that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the end of the movie. I wonder if Henry Cavill, or how sad Henry Cavill was that there was no sequel. Because I, I saw something that said he was excited by this movie because for once he didn't have to be shirtless. Um, <laughs> apparently, it's a lot huh. of work to prepare for being shirtless because you have to, like, I watched something about that for his scene in The Witcher and he has to, like, eat really clean. Scene. Yeah. Basically, like dehydrate himself for three days in order to like have all oh, the geez. muscles showing. Um, yeah, it's yeah. hard to be a man actor, you know. A lot of body shaming. <laughs> it's tough. Well, I mean, actually, to, speaking of you know body shaming and Henry Cavill, so he tried out for the role of James Bond in Casino Royale, and one of the ways, and maybe this is what his comment was about the traditional audition role for James Bond actors is the role. There's a scene from from Russia with Love where he's you know, about to get into the shower, into the into the bath, and then finds the girl in his bed. And so they always like shirtless in a towel. That's how they do this. And when he auditioned, That's an audition scene. Yes, for Bond. That's weird. Okay. Okay. The director of Casino Royale, Martin Campbell, actually made a little body shaming towards Henry Cavill at times. He said, looking a little tubby there, Henry. Really? Terrible. Yeah, I was like, I mean, whoa. Surprise me, but. I mean, that somebody would say that in movies. Tough industry. Yeah, oh, so yeah. maybe yeah. this is probably exactly Dude. why he... I'm hoping that... What year was that? 2006. Okay, I would like to think that with everything that's happened in recent years, that doesn't go on anymore. I would but like to think so, too. But yeah. I would guess that it does, though. Because <laughs> I do want him. He's on my short list of like three or four different actors for who I want to be the next Bond, and I think he would be great. But if you're talking about the other actor of main character in this, Army Hammer, he actually made a statement. I think it was either this year or last year. He said like he would that he would do another Man from Uncle in a heartbeat. He even said that like if someone wrote a really good piece of fanfic, he'd narrate it. If <laughs> someone, someone wrote an extremely good piece of fanfic, I would go to Guy Ritchie and be like, "You guys need to read this." Then give this person co-writing credit because let's just get this movie made. Let's just do this. Because he really wants to do one. Oh. It seems like this movie would work pretty well for streaming services because there aren't these huge bases exploding mm-hmm. and fight mm-hmm. scenes over lava. It doesn't feel like a super blockbuster kind of movie. So yeah. I'm keeping the dream alive. I mean, yeah. hey, we're somehow... Wait, when did the last Sherlock Holmes movie come out? Long time ago. Apparently it's getting a third one. And that's hmm. also Guy Ritchie, so maybe, maybe. When I was looking at this, that said that he was shocked, some like, recently to hear that there was like kind of like a 
a fan base or cult following that really liked that movie. Cause he was like, you know, like some movies you make, you just don't, you can't, you're like, Oh, I can't go back and watch this one. But he was like, but this one, I, I like it. You know, I'll still go back and watch it and enjoy it anyway. <laughs> so he was happy to hear that there's people out there that enjoyed the movie, even if it didn't pan out, you know? Right. Right. Well, I mean, okay, so how did this actually do in the theater, like in the box office? I don't think it did very well. I don't think it, it, the critics, I don't think, liked it too much either. Let's or see, maybe it's reversed. See. Critics liked it and didn't no, do well. I think, I think okay. you're right. I don't think it got uh, the best reviews, nor a lot of dollars. Yeah, it looks like, okay, against a budget of $75 million, it only made $109 million worldwide. That's not great. So, no. That's mm-hmm. um, still profit, though, right? Usually when they talk about these budget things, that's not including the marketing. So really, you need to get twice that production budget to get any sort of profit. And Hollywood accountants. Yeah, that that, that whole thing. And on Rotten Tomatoes, it has an approval rating of 67%. That's pretty good for rent, man. Not, not horrible. Yeah. It's not a. It's not a, a red tomato, though. Is it? I, don't I think that's the... red tomato. Is yeah, that a red okay. tomato? All right, mm-hmm. it got a red tomato. Yeah. I would think, like what you were saying, Zach, about the budget. I think that could actually help the movie a lower budget in a way because mm-hmm. one of my sort of things I think I didn't like as I felt like it tried too hard to make it an action movie in certain elements. I think the thing about the show that I like is is the kind of repertoire between the two characters and. Mm-hmm. missions and things but it doesn't need to be super flashy i don't think so yeah i don't know maybe maybe uh yeah streaming i can see that it up. i can definitely see that um so shall we move into our spy fact versus spy, spy fiction that's right as usual i don't have any because when it's not in the swing of the 60s i handle most of it so i'm taking a vacation <laughs> all right so i've got a couple different things here so Dr. Teller early on in the movie we find out that he was brought over to help with the american a nuclear program. This, of course, would be a reference to Operation Paperclip, where German scientists such as Werner von Braun were taken from Germany to the U.S. and worked on various things such as the rocket program and also nuclear programs. Now, I t- said we'd talk about a bit more about the Trabants because that is a big part of exhibits at the International Spy Museum here in D.C. They also have what's known as the Parade of Trabants which is the biggest uh, Trabant rally every year. They have it around the anniversary of the fall of the Berlin Wall. Now, Trabants are an East German car produced from 1957 to 1990. People like to say that it's like a cardboard frame, but it's actually Duraplast, which it sounds like, like something from Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> so it would take a long time to get one of, get a car because of, um, you know, there wasn't a lot of great supply of them. So as people, you know, would put in an order for one when you're like 16 and get one when you're 20, if that. And they were used on occasion to try to sneak across the border. And at the Spy Museum, one of the features pre-pandemic was you could actually, they had a space where you could sort of try to fit yourself into like the engine block of a Trabant. The other thing about the Trabant and the cost I thought was interesting was that Used Trabants are more expensive than new ones. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because it took it's because it takes so long to get a new Trabant that a used one is more valuable and costs more. In Berlin, currently there are also there's also a Trabant museum which I want to visit, and there's also a place where you can like drive Trabants on like a rally track. Oh, mm-hmm. I think I saw that while I was there. It had a, a hot air balloon next to it, and there were a bunch of trabs, yeah, trab- trabbies yes, that were painted yes. different colors. Yes, that is that place, and I. Once we are able to travel again, I want to go to Berlin because I've never been to Berlin and I want to drive a Trabant on a rally, rally track. Parade of Trabants that Christian was talking about with the International Spy Museum. 
was virtual this year, but that made it pretty cool because they actually were able to kind of take their Zoom and relinquish control to Trabant owners and not factories, but like sales places and collectors in Berlin and in Germany and around the world to kind of show off their collection and things like that. So that was really cool. And so Kelly alluded to this earlier that there are a number of different ways people tried to get over the Berlin Wall. There are at least, in my research, I found two different cases of people ziplining across. No, oh, that's awesome. I, I didn't realize that. But Were they successful? I'm not surprised. Yes. So in one of them, it was, let's see, his name was Heinz, Heinz Hospafel, who was an engineer and economist. And in the uh, East German House of Ministries. And so he brought brought his wife and his young son up to a building right across the wall and hurled a hammer painted with phosphorus and attached to a length of thin rope across the wall, which ran parallel to the edge of the building. Helpers in the West attached a metal cable to the hammer and then pulled it up back up on the roof and using a homemade harness made of a bicycle wheel axle, he sent first his son and then his wife gliding across the border via zipline, following after them himself. In a stunning turn of events, Soviet officers witnessed the entire escapade, but presumed that the Stasi was smuggling agents into the West and didn't open fire. Nice. So the other case that I've heard about was the case of Ingo Bethke. It's hard to pronounce. So Ingo actually escaped on an air mattress uh, with a friend over on the river. But he had two brothers who escaped with him that way, so he eventually went to go get them. So he trained in archery and found a tall building that overlooked West Berlin, or East Berlin, rather. And he snuck into an attic and shot a wire across with a, uh, an arrow with a wire cable across the wall and attached it to a car, uh, just like this. And actually, just like wow. this, they, uh, the metal pulley, just like, so they attached it to a car. And with a metal pulley, they used the zip line to get the other two brothers across. But they miscalculated and landed just short of getting across the wall. So they actually had to shimmy across the rest of the wire. Do we know how many people um, tried to get across the Berlin Wall and succeeded versus failed? That is a great question that I do not know. Failed. A lot failed. If you go to that museum in Berlin, you can, they probably have that fact there. I remember there was like all these stories of people failing and succeeding, and Mm -hmm. they had a lot of facts there. So I'm sure they have at least some sense of it if you look, if you research it. All right. Let's see. So the Spanish steps were not (laughs) designed by a Russian, but actually desired by Francesco de Sanctis, who is an Italian Baroque architect. Um, what? He lied to us? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> or he was misinformed. I wouldn't be surprised. He is from the Soviet <laughs> Union. <laughs> when they're breaking into the Vinciguerra shipping, and they both are picking locks, and what's his name? Napoleon Solo does it by hand with a traditional set of lock picks. Ilya is using something else. And it looked like he was using what's known as a snap gun or a lockpick gun, which can be used without finesse and very easily to lockpick. Basically, the way it works, unlike a regular lockpick where you try to get each individual pin, the snap gun basically uses a burst of energy to get all the pins out of alignment. And that's why it's called a snap gun. But the downside of this is that it usually damages the lock or more noticeable than the using regular lockpicks. And my last thing is about the man from Uncle Gun, or otherwise known as the Uncle Special, which we did see 
Ilya using a variation of it. So the original one from the show was first based on a German Mauser pistol, but then later converted for a Walter 1938. It adds a hand grip with shoulder stock and extension. And my fun fact for it is that a toy of the original Uncle Gun was the inspiration behind the design of the original Transformer Megatron, who transforms into a Walther P-38 hmm. gun. All right, and that's what I've got for Spy Fact versus Spy Fiction. All right, thank you. All right, so next we have our favorite quotes. Would anyone like to go first with this very quotable Guy Ritchie movie? There's a lot of good quotes. A lot to be said. How about our guest stars go first? So I, I really enjoyed the... Uh the fashion scene when they're in that uh, <laughs> store, especially after I have not seen the reunion movie, Carolyn. So I appreciated your insights that I guess he was a fashion yeah. designer later on, but uh, mm-hmm. I like the quote where, you know, he's, he's picking out clothes and, and trying to match up, uh, I guess like a belt or something with an mm-hmm. outfit and Napoleon's like, it, it won't match. And he's like, it doesn't have to match. Cause anyway, <laughs> I think, I think other women would, would think that is amusing as well, because that's always an argument. It's fashion, right? <laughs> of like the matching versus unmatching. Did you think that was funny, Carolyn? Yeah, I, I did enjoy that scene. <laughs> but the quote that I thought was funny was, I guess, during the beginning, during the chase scene, where he's like, you know, take a left here, go right here, go through this alleyway. And she's really incredulous. She's like, this seems like a terrible idea, but okay, I'll I'll do what you're saying. And they get stuck between two walls. And she's like, come on, like, this is ridiculous. Like, there's no way this is the right way to go. Mm-hmm. He goes, I know, take another left through the window. You <laughs> <laughs> know, first he actually kind of good timing. I thought he like takes the, um, what is it called? The thing that you wind the window, window crank, the window crank. He just goes, <laughs> <laughs> winds down the window and he goes, take another left through the window. And they've landed perfectly so that the window is right outside the car and you can get in. I just thought that was really funny because I was not expecting that. I was like, great. He screwed up. He's Henry Um, Cavill. He can't screw up. (laughs) Also, quick interjection. After as Carolyn was talking, I was like, wait, I shouldn't have said just women would enjoy. Men would also enjoy the fashion scene as well. As as demonstrating in his very quote. So. And I mean, I, I, I even said I enjoyed that I know, scene, I so. know. That's why I thought about that. I was like, wait, don't say that. That's bad. <laughs> I also thought that was interesting because it was like the men fighting over the fashion. That yeah. Is true. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was what made it kind You're of funny. Like, but then I feel kind of bad about it because, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Although it would have been unusual in the 60s. Hmm. Hmm. Well, yeah, That's fair. Because Henry Cavill was trying to dress her in this kind of like boxy that was a nice dress. And then <laughs> Ilya had her like very fashionable 60s style. So he clearly had opinions, but she seemed to like it. Okay, I'll go next. So mine are both from Jared Harris, who spoke with an American accent that was really weird sounding. Yeah. We didn't talk about it at the time, but <laughs> he says, we are not in the haberdashery business. <laughs> uh-huh. which I liked. Or is it haberdashery? Do you pronounce the R? Haberdashery versus haberdashery? Not sure. Who knows? Okay. I don't remember. That. You're good. Funny. And then he says <laughs> later, inside every kraut is an American trying to get out. Yeah, oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> Speaking of xenophobia, jingoism, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. <laughs> that was funny, especially because, like, yeah, the Americans took them, right, after. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. we were basically like, oh, yeah, it's all right now. 
we need you to help us beat the Russians. So. Yeah, you're on our side now. <laughs> All right, I've got a few. I've got so I like one from Ilya when he's. Uh, I think Uncle Rudy is like commenting on his size and says, "You're you're built like a, a bricklayer, not a architect." And he's like, "I like to joke." Right. <laughs> <laughs> My other one from Ilya. He's talking to. I think it's in the scene in the cafe, giving a bit of Solo's backstory. He's like, "Why did you become one of their best agents?" And he says, "I concluded it must be to counteract the humiliation of knowing that your balls are at the end of a very long leash held by a very short man." Yeah. That's why Henry Cavill kind of gave it right back to him and twice as hard. He's the one who started all this shit talk. <laughs> uh, but my final favorite quote is from Waverly, who says, for a special agent, you're not having a very special day, are you? <laughs> special day. Yeah. Okay, let's move this along. So now it is time for our ratings on a scale of one to ten martinis, one being awful spy movie, ten being amazing. How would you guys rate the Man from Uncle 2015. I gave it a seven. I enjoyed, I thought it had a lot of clever moments and I always am up for a Cold War, West Berlin, East Berlin kind of movie. So so I love that it has the West Berlin, East Berlin, you know, spy aspect to it. But like I said, I think maybe they tried a little too hard for that action movie, which, which I feel like is really common these days, right? Like, mm-hmm. there's a reason my fiance doesn't like any of the new Star Trek movies. And it's because, <laughs> you know, they've made them like real action-y. But I think if they just had cut that down just a tad, I would have given it a higher rating. But overall, definitely enjoyable. Would see a sequel. I mean, I enjoyed it. I guess I'd give it a six. I mean, I also kind of get bored during action scenes sometimes. That's not really what I look for in a movie. I did enjoy Henry Cavill. I did enjoy the female leads that were in there. So Victoria, I thought she was a pretty cool villain. Um, And Gabby, I thought she was a really strong character. I was thinking it didn't pass the Bechtel test, um, but it barely did. Oh, which (laughs) part? You know, it has to have at least two named women in it, which it does, and who talk to each other. And there's... The scene right where um, she's helping her dad sabotage the, um, right. the try, and, try and sabotage the nuclear bomb, and Victoria comes into the room, and they kind of have like a five-second conversation where they're like, I don't even remember what they say, but they like acknowledge each other. Right. Yeah, and they're not talking about a guy; they're talking about mm-hmm. a bomb. <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, barely. Talk, <laughs> yeah, just just barely. Um, so I would have liked to see more development into Gabby's character, which I guess maybe they would have done in the next movie, um, but kind of more about how she got into the spy business and kind of pursue that, that line. So that, Cause they kind of saved her as a surprise at the end, but in the end, but because of it, they didn't really develop her as much. They just kind of portrayed her as this kind of mechanic girl who's going along with the flow and doesn't really know what she's doing. So I don't know. I think they could have done more with her, but it was, an enjoyable movie, and I would have watched a sequel. Nice. So I will give it a 6 out of 10 martinis. I understand people love this movie. It didn't really work that well for me, frankly. I understand what they were trying to do with the banter between the two male leads, but I didn't feel like it really gelled as much as it could. Also, it had a little bit of Return of the King Syndrome ending, not as bad as Munich, but like I feel like the emotional <laughs> climax of the movie is when the ship explodes, but then we have the uh, the fight, then we have the other thing, and then we have them getting briefed again. So I don't know. I, I'm not really summarizing my views too well, but 
I could see why people like it. Although it was a well-made movie, it just didn't work that well for me. All right. Well, I'm going to take the other uh, end of the spectrum that from you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give it an eight out of ten because I really like this movie. I, on the other hand, I think the the byplay between them works really well. I think that I like their chemistry together. It's sort of like frenemy situation. I enjoy that a lot, and I think I'd seen none of the show before I'd seen this movie, so I, my only knowledge was that there's you know two characters one russian one american and they're both spies it really got sort of this feel of like a 60s without being like austin powers kind of you know all right we're gonna really play up all the weirdest tropes of the 60s so they made a lot more stylish and like i love the look of it i love the cinematography of it things that you thought were too clever i thought were just clever enough so uh, which made me and made me, you know, feel good. Oh, oh, that's right. This is coming. So, I really like this movie, and I would love to see a sequel. And I hope it happens. I or you know, I even just another movie with Henry Cavill and uh, Army Hammer would be great too. I, I know Army Hammer was supposed to be it, Batman in one iteration of Justice League at some point. So I hope something happens with the two of them because I like their chemistry. Okay, I would also watch a sequel. By the way, I just wanted to put that out there. <laughs> well, thank you to our guest stars for joining us. And you can find us on social media at the SpyFi Guys under Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Until next time, I'm Zach. And I'm Christian. And we are the SpyFi Guys signing off. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed our podcast, please be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. The theme music is by Jeff Fitzgerald and Big Man Joe. Media reviewed by our podcast are the intellectual property of their respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended. This is a personal podcast. Any views, statements, or opinions expressed in this podcast are personal and belong solely to the participants. They do not represent those of people, institutions, or organizations that the participants may or may not be associated with in a professional or personal capacity unless explicitly stated. Any views or opinions are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, or individual. You can find our podcast on social media at The Spy Fi Guys on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.